Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're gonna hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus as your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, Emmanuel Church. How's everybody feeling today? It is a joy to be here with you today, and I want to take a quick moment to welcome all of our first-time guests, whether you're watching online for the first time or at any one of our locations, Banta Franklin Garfield Park here at Greenwood. Can we give it up for all of our first-time guests here today? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for accepting someone's invitation. We have prayed for you, planned for you, and prepared for you. Please text the word NEW to 65248 so we can send you a gift to say thank you for being here for the very first time. For the rest of you who are not brand new, welcome back. How's everybody doing? Pretty good? Awesome, awesome, awesome. We're wrapping up a series today called The Kid Factor, and we've, this is the fourth week of this series, and each and every week we've started with this main idea that the goal of life is maturity, whether you're parenting children, or you're a teacher in a classroom, or you're a coach of a team, or you're a boss of a business, or whatever you are, a pastor of a church. The goal of the organization, the goal of the classroom is to see your students mature, your children mature, the employees mature, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Like The whole point of church, the whole point of gathering today is for you to grow closer in a relationship with God. When you're mature, things work better, correct? Inside the context of your home, when your children are maturing, things are working better, right? They're taking more responsibility. They're being considerate to their brothers and sisters. They're doing their chores. They're obeying their parents, right? This is a good thing, correct? When there's a lack of maturity, things are difficult in the home, in the classroom, right? In the organization, in the church, when people are being selfish, when they're not taking responsibility, when they're not owning their stuff, things get very, very difficult. Life gets better when people mature. And the goal of life is maturity. And then Jesus comes along and he throws a, seems to throw a wrench into the whole system when he says these words. And if you've been coming for the last couple of weeks, you have these words probably memorized. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you become, unless you change and become like what? A little child, you cannot live or enter into the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus is not talking about that place that you go after you die. Okay, he is. Okay, yes, he is. That's included, okay? Heaven is that place we go when we die. But he's also talking about the kingdom that has arrived here and now. Jesus gave us this prayer. He says, Pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done, where? On earth as it is done in heaven. In other words, the kingdom has come to earth. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is the sphere of God's influence. It's the place where God is dwelling. It's the presence of Jesus. It's the place of peace. It's a place of joy. It's a place of meaning and purpose and satisfaction and fulfillment. It's the place where you partner up with God to achieve his will on earth as it is done in heaven. Jesus says, unless you change and become like a little child, you cannot step into what he would call kingdom living or what we would call kingdom 
living. In other words, there's something about childlikeness that qualifies us to live and dwell in the kingdom of God right here and right now. In week number one, we talked about dependence, how children depend upon their parents. And in the same way, if you want to live in the kingdom, you have to depend on the Father like a branch to the vine, John chapter 15. Then week number two, we talked about how children believe easily, which is why you can tell them crazy stories and they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) In the same way, you must believe easily and trust Jesus with your whole life if you wanna experience the kingdom. And then last week, we talked about how children live in the present. They're not haunted by their past and they're not worried about their future. They're in the here and they're in the now and they're wired up to have fun. So they're constantly asking this question, how can we have fun right now? And that's the, way they, that's the way you and I need to be. We need to live in the present by letting go of our past and dealing with our, and trusting God with our future. So that's where we've been the last couple of weeks. You can check all that stuff out on YouTube if you missed any of it. Today I want to talk about this fourth childlike quality that, that allows us to live and dwell in the kingdom of God here and now. So if you're a note taker, grab your pen, grab your, you know, your, your, your notes there. If you're a digital person on the app and check this out. Little children live in, say it with me, wonder. They live in wonder. When I was a little child, my brother was a fantastic soccer player, and so he was on all these travel teams, and we would go all over the East Coast for these weekend soccer trips. One particular trip, we got invited to go all the way to Canada. We went from Staten Island, New York. We took a bus all the way up to Canada for the soccer tournament. While we were up there, we took a a little, uh, we made a little stop at, I don't know, a place called Niagara Falls. Anybody ever been there? And as a little kid, they, they were telling us about it, like, it's going to be amazing. It's all this, you know, these, these waterfalls. And, you know, I'm trying to imagine what it's going to be like. I could not imagine what I saw. When we got, out, when we got there, I was a little child. I, I was absolutely astonished and blown away. I was in awe of what I saw. All of this water, you know, coming from different angles. Some of it was on the United States side. Some of it was on the Canadian side. How many of you have ever been to Niagara Falls? Is it not amazing? I mean, even as an adult, it's amazing. And as a child, I'm looking at this and the smells and the sounds and the mist coming up and the little boat that was down there in the, in the, in the, uh, at the bottom. And I, I was blown away mostly by the amount of water. It was like as a little kid, I just pictured God like turning on this huge you know, faucet and it's just running. And I kept thinking, where is all of this water coming from? I was blown away. And then somebody told me that uh, a couple years earlier, a dude got in a bear and went over the falls. I was like, no way, that's impossible. And he lived to tell the story. I was just, just so in awe. I was, I, was, I was astonished at what I saw. That's what happens with little children. They're blown away. They live in a state of wonder. Do you know there's a whole body of research out there that shows the health benefits for living in wonder? Experiencing wonder on a regular basis. I'll just, I'll just point out a few. There was one study done by, in 2015 at UC Berkeley that said that if you regularly experience wonder, you, in, you have increased physical and mental health. If you regularly experience wonder, you have a lower risk of depression, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and arthritis. That was just one study. There was another study put out in the Psychological Science, which is a, a science journal, that said... If you regularly experience wonder, it expands your perception of time. Specifically, you feel like you have more time to give to others. How interesting. It alters your decision making. You make better decisions and enhances your overall well-being. 
How fascinating. There's a bunch of group uh, researchers at the University of Pennsylvania that did a little study on astronauts who came home from space. And what they found was that these astronauts, when they returned back to Earth, they had a deeper sense of life purpose and a deeper connection to other human beings. I think you would too if you turned around and saw the Earth, a little, a little circle of the Earth, right? And we're all, like, we're all in this together. We're all neighbors, right? So, like, let's stop fighting each other. Like, astronauts, they call it the overview effect. You can Google it later. They come back with a deeper sense of life purpose, a deeper sense of meaning and connectivity to other people. There's one particular uh, professor from, from a Stanford, uh, Stanford Graduate School of Business who does a bunch of research on happiness and wonder, and she's being interviewed on this particular topic. Her name is Jennifer Aker. Listen to what she said. When you feel awe or that sense of wonder, you experience a positive emotion that feels vast and big, and as a result, this awe is capable of altering one's view of the world. That's what happened to the astronauts. They were blown away by what they saw, and it changed the way they viewed their life. Jesus is saying, if you want to experience life the way it was meant to be, you've got to change and become like a little child. You've got you to live in wonder. Little children, are, they, 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 they can pull this off without any problem. Like they're, they're, just, they're seeing everything for the first time. I remember when my, my kids were really, really little, I mean babies, I could, I could fascinate them with my fingers, you know, and they're just tiny little, and you just put your fingers out in front, and they're like, oh, whoa. It's like they were tripping on acid or something, you know? <laughs> wow. You know, and then they got used to that, so I'd have to do something a little bit more creative with my face or something. Oh, whoa. You know, and then you got to do something a little bit more fascinating because they get used to it. You know, they've seen that, your tricks, right? Anybody know this? You do this with your kids? You know, and, and so I have to kind of amp it up each time. And I remember one particular time I was running out of content. I was like, what can I do to like just blow their minds, you know? So I, I pulled this out of the bag. I got, I got a lot of content. You want to see it? I was like, watch this, kids. You want to see this? Wow. See that? They're like, what was that, dad? It's like, oh, you want to see it again? Oh, yeah. I got more content, too. Do you want to see it later? Blown away. It's like, what are you doing with your arms there? You're like making them become one. I was like, I know. Blow your mind. Then one time I made a time machine. Did I tell you about that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Little kids, they're easy, to, they're easy to give, you know, you know, give them a sense of wonder. But we adults, we've grown up. We've grown up. You're like, I could do that trick. Come on. That's stupid. Some of you. I know, I know. Because <laughs> you're an adult. You've seen it, right? Here's what we've done as adults. We've explained away wonder. That's what, we've, that's what we've done. We've grown up. There's an answer to everything. We've got Google and we've got science. And through Google and science, we've explained away wonder. Recently, I picked up a book called Recapturing the Wonder. Interesting title by an author named Mike Cosper. And he tells a story about how he went away to a cabin with some friends to celebrate a birthday. And the next day, he got up and went for a run. He was out in the woods. And I want to read his words because I think he says it better than I can. He says, as I ran, I saw something on the ground. He's running through the woods here on an early morning run. And, I look, and it looked like pulled taffy, parallel ribbons and threads curled white and translucent. I stopped to pick up a piece of it and was astonished at its lightness. I turned and looked back down the path and noticed more of it along the edges of the path and up the hillside into the woods, tangled in the vines and in the leaves. 
Looking back at the piece in my hand, it reminded me of the geometry of a conch shell. It was beautiful. I picked up another piece and crushed it in my hand. It immediately, beca- it immediately became a fine powder. I went back into the cabin and brought a few friends out to see what I was seeing in the woods. Isn't that what we do when we're astonished? Like, come and see what I have seen. We were all mystified. It felt like we were in the opening scene of a science fiction movie. Aliens had landed in the night and left these ghostly shells as the only evidence of their presence. But in the age of smartphones and Google, it didn't take long to get an explanation. They're called frost flowers, and they appear in the late fall and early winter. As the air temperatures drop below freezing, plant stems contract, squeezing sap out and water into the air, forming ribbons of crystal. It's relatively rare, but watch this, perfectly explainable. Here's a picture of a frost flower. Just getting started. Ribbons of crystal. What happened to his astonishment? What happened to their wonder? They Googled it. And and the wonder was gone. What have we done as adults? We explain away. Wonder. In the book, Casper says, we, we have disenchanted our world. Listen to how he writes it. He is uh, so good. He explains a disenchan- what a disenchanted world, world is. A disenchanted world has been drained of magic, any supernatural presences of, and spirits and God and transcendence. A disenchanted world is a material world where what you see is what you get. Remember Madonna back in the 1980s? Material girl. <laughs> yeah. We just dated ourselves, some of us. We've disenchanted our world. We've, rem- re- we've removed the supernatural, the magical, the, the transcendent, the kingdom. What we see is what we get. There's nothing here besides material things. This is what we do when we grow up. There's answers for everything. Science, Google. We no longer live like children in a state of wonder. What do you have left without the supernatural? You have a shallow humanity. That's what we have left. We, we, we work with what we have, and what do we have? We have stuff. Cars and money and houses and alcohol and pills and pot, porn. That's what we got. We got sex. See, in a world without spirituality, in a disenchanted world where there's no God, all we have left is our bodies. Did you know that Kim Kardashian takes 1,500 selfies a day just to get that perfect snapshot? Kim, what a role model. (laughs) She's taken so many selfies. Listen, she's taken, this is a true story. You you could Google it. She, Kim's taken so many selfies that, that she has damaged her wrist and her doctor has prohibited her from taking any more selfies, from holding her phone like this. Can you, poor Kim. I mean, just, she's just struggling. She now has to have friends take pictures of her. She can't take her own selfies. 12, 1,500 selfies a day. Why? why? Why would somebody do that? It's all we got to work with, your face and your boobs and your body and your butt. And that's all she can, that's all. See, in a disenchanted world, some of you are like, I can't believe he said boobs in church. 
I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. <laughs> see, in a disenchanted world, you got, you got, all you have to work with is, is, what, is what you can touch and see and feel and taste. And, and so we overeat and we overindulge and we over, we, we, it's all we have to work with. Listen, this is pretty serious stuff, right? About what I'm about to say. But it's true, and I gotta say it. Every second in the United States of America, not the whole world, just the United States, $3,000 is spent on pornography. Every 39 minutes, a new porn movie or video is made in the United States, every 39 minutes. It's a $13 billion industry just in the United States. Why, how could that be? At every, every second, there are 28,000 Americans logged into a porn site watching porn, every second. That's all we got to work with. Like, if there's no God, if there's nothing out there, if there's nothing to give your heart to, we, you work with what you got. And sensual pleasure is the closest thing to heaven, the orgasm. Did he just say that in church? Oh, my gosh. This guy's crazy. That's what we got to work with. Like, if there's no God, if there's no transcendent, if there's no enchantment, you work with sex and you work with violence and you work with, you know, your face and your body and food or Amazon, and you just wait for that next box to come. <laughs> we get a shallow humanity in a disenchanted world, and that's the world we're living in, folks. This is tough to hear, but we have 20 to 40 million people in the world today held in, not, I don't like to call it human trafficking because that makes it sound light, like drug trafficking. No, it's human slavery. Humans, 20 to 40 million people, many of those are children held against their will for sexual pleasure. It's called prostitution. It's called slavery. How can that be? I thought we've evolved. I thought the world has changed. No, we're just, we've just disenchanted our world. But, the, but here's the truth. Here's the truth. The world is enchanted. This is why so many people go to Disney World. They're longing. They're longing for some enchantment. It is enchanted. You don't have to go to Disney World to, to sense it. You know, I read this book every day, and I encourage you to read it every day. Page after page after page, what you see is that the world is enchanted. Let me give you one quick example from Matthew chapter 15. Jesus is sitting on the side of a hill, and he begins to teach. And all of a sudden, people start, well, just read it. Matthew chapter 15. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, couldn't walk, blind, couldn't see, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others, more than they could count, with all various types of problems and diseases. And they laid them before Jesus, and watch this. He healed them all. He didn't leave one out. There was not one sick person in the crowd. They said, I don't know how to handle that one. That one's tough. Not one case of cancer, not one case of blindness, not one case of deafness. He solved all of it. Imagine we had a doctor around today that could do that. No matter what the illness was, you could bring that child, that person, that friend to the doctor, and no matter what the sickness was, he could heal them. Whether it was mental illness or diabetes or cancer or chronic back pain or, yep, you're healed. What would we do with such a doctor? We would be astonished. Watch what happens. The crowd was, say it with me, 
They were amazed. They were blown away. They were in awe as you would too. And we have to read the Bible like we have to like put ourselves there. Like what if I would have seen the lame and the crippled and the blind and, the, and all these. What if I, I would have been like, whoa, look, look, look. Even that one and even that one and even her and even him. And what is happening right now? We would have been freaked. We read the Bible like we fall asleep. And we don't even read it. But you open it up and you find out it's enchanted, the whole thing, page after page. It's, it's magical. Like the supernatural has invaded the natural. They were amazed. Those who weren't able to speak were started talking. Those who were crippled were made wild. Well. The, the lame were walking. The blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. Wow. This, this world is enchanted. It, you may not see it. You may not believe it. You may have explained away the wonder with science and Google, but I haven't. And that helps me to live in a state of wonder, which helps me to live like a little child, which helps me to experience life the way it was meant to be lived. Albert Einstein, one of the smartest people to ever live, said this. There are only two ways to live your life. One is, the, is though every, nothing is a miracle, and the other is though everything is a miracle. I choose the latter. How about you? But you have to choose it because as an adult, we've grown up. We've matured. And we've explained away the wonder. Why does God perform miracles? Why did Jesus perform miracles? What's the purpose of them? Well, there's, there's, a, there's a purpose to it. God is leading us to something. See, wonder is designed to lead us into worship. The way I wrote it in your notes is like this. Worship is a spiritual experience designed to activate worship. If we go back to the verse, look at verse 31 again. Like, Jesus heals everybody, and the end result was they praised the God of Israel. Like, God captures us with awe and wonder in order that we might worship him. In the Old Testament, when, when God brought the children of Israel through, through the promise, uh, sorry, through the Red Sea, they came out on the other side. They were in awe and they were in wonder. And you know what Moses did? He wrote a worship song. You can check it out, Exodus 14 and 15. His response was, I have to worship based on what we've just seen. See, here's the truth. God is seeking worshipers. That's what, that's what he's up to. See, what's God up to in the world? He's seeking you to worship him. There's a story about a woman in John chapter 4. Fantastic story. In fact, it's the longest conversation recorded that Jesus had with anybody in the entire Bible, in the New Testament. This woman that Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. In verse 23, I want you to see what he says to her. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is, say it with me, seeking such people to worship him. God is seeking after you to worship it. What is worship? Is it singing songs? Oh, well, kind of. It's one way to worship. What is worship? You know what worship is? It's esteeming ultimate value or attributing ultimate value to something. This is the most important thing in my life. And in a disenchanted world where there is no God and there is no heaven, and well, what do you have to work with? You have your body, and so people worship their body. My body is the most important thing. People worship money. If there's no enchantment, if it's, a, if it's a disenchanted world, then what's the most important? The, the, the almighty dollar. So they, they esteem or attribute ultimate value to the dollar or they esteem ultimate value to their children and their children's success. People worship their children. They worship a job. They worship a person. They worship sex. They worship 
what we have to work with. And that's what you see all over the place today. Worshippers. See, here's the, here's the truth about you and me. You are a worshiper. You will worship something. In a disenchanted world, you're going to pick something physical. But here's the truth. You can never take something physical and satisfy the spiritual thirst. It's impossible to do. See, you were made for God. You weren't made for porn or sexual immorality or you weren't made for money. You weren't made for stuff. That's why you always have to buy more stuff. It's like the thing that you bought, it's not good enough anymore. You got to buy the next thing. And you got to go do the next drug and you got to get the next high and you got to chase the next job and you got to chase the next person, the next woman, the next man. See, here, here's what Jesus says to this woman. He says to her in, in, in John chapter 4, he says, You have had five husbands. And now you're working on the sixth. And she's blown away. She's astonished. How does this man know my life? In fact, when she goes into town to tell everybody, what does she say? Come and see a man who told me everything about my life. Jesus astounded her. But he also revealed to her what she was worshiping. She was worshiping men thinking that the next relationship would do it. Well, that's what you do in a disenchanted world. You, look at, you work with what you got, and what you got, everybody's got a husband, and so I need a husband if I'm gonna be happy, and I'm gonna try to, so I'm gonna bounce from this man to this man to this man to this man, or this woman to this woman to this woman, to the, thinking that a person will, find, will help you find happiness. It's not, it doesn't work that way. See, again, our world is consumed with sexuality right now, I mean, and, and, and it has been for a long time, even back in Jesus' day, you know, the, the, sexual, the sexuality was just was rampant and sexual immorality. And so in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul was trying to help the Corinthians to figure this out. Like, hey, this is, not, this is not God's will for your life. And he makes this argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 to try to help them. Listen to what he says in verse 13. He says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality. I know it feels good. I know when you're doing it, it's fine. It's like, oh, this is the ultimate. This is so, this is so, you know, it's exhilarating. It feels like ecstasy, blah, blah. I know you think that your body is made for sexual immorality. It's not, newsflash, it's made for the Lord. And the Lord is made for your body. You will never find satisfaction and happiness with anything physical in this world. Be it food, drugs, alcohol, sex, money, power, whatever it is, it'll never work. Are you wise enough? Are you smart enough? Are you open enough to hear that message today? The woman at the well was. She turned into a worshiper. She attributed ultimate value to Jesus. Will you be able to do that? Wonder. What's the purpose of wonder? Wonder is designed to activate worship because you were made to worship God. How do we get back to that, that state of wonder, change and become like little children, to live in this state of wonder? Let me offer you a little bit of coaching on that. Three things. Number one, we have to look past the facts to see the truth. This is hard to do because, again, we're so caught up in Google and science and we explain everything away. We have to look past the facts of an eclipse, Oh, let me explain an eclipse to you. That's when the moon and the sun do this deal, and then, you know, let me tell you all about it. Okay, those are the facts. But does that tell us the truth about an eclipse? Well, let me tell you about a shooting star. See, a shooting star is when a da 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 da
I understand. That doesn't tell me the truth about. Let me tell you why Saturn has rings around it. Because blah, 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 blah. And gas is da, 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 da. Okay. Maybe you can tell me the facts about all these different things. The human eye. Well, the reason the eye does this, blah, 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 the reason the human ear does, the reason how a baby is formed inside its mother's belly in the nine months and all this, this has to happen, all that. You can tell someone the facts, but that doesn't explain the truth. You with me? Maybe you're not. In the book, in the book he, Mike Cosper says this. It's, it's so good. He makes this comment about the flowers. He says, he says that maybe, maybe the facts of the frost flowers don't tell us the truth about the frost flowers. What does he mean? He means that even though you may be able to explain why these ribbons come out because the temperatures drop and then the flowers secrete sap and they freeze and fine. But who put the flower there? You see what I'm saying? Some of you are nodding because you just got it. The thing that took our breath away has a, an, there's an artist behind it. That sunset, that sunrise, that eclipse, whatever it is that you see. There's, the art has an artist. And so when you see past the facts to the truth, the truth tells you that there's a God who made it to delight you, to capture you, to awe you, to lead you into worship. This is the whole purpose of space. Did you know that the whole purpose of space is to lead you to God, to lead you to worship? Listen to Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim, the stars, the moon, the sun, a sunset. The heavens proclaim what? The glory of God. The skies display his what? His craftsmanship. When you look up in a night sky, you're looking at the artwork of the ultimate creator. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make who? Him known to us. Listen, the, the psalmist continues. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voices are never heard. Yet their, say it with me, their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to the all. What is the message? The message is God is great and worthy of worship. See, the, the reason that God leads us into wonder is to activate worship so that we can find life. So we have to look past the facts to see the truth. Number two, we've got to slow down. Some of us are going so fast at life, and we're at such a hectic speed, we're blowing past all these incredible things, be it a sunset or something your child says. We're, or, or, or some, just, we're, we're just going so fast in our lives at such a hectic pace, we don't even see the things that God has put in our path to capture our wonder. In, in her book, Wonderstruck, Margaret Feinberg talks about how this is the purpose of Sabbath. And I, I don't know about if you guys know this, but I take a Sabbath every Friday. I, I don't work. It's my day off. And the purpose of Sabbath is to recapture wonder. Listen to what she says. It's so good. She says, through the Sabbath, God asks us to slow down. So we once again become awestruck by the goodness of God in our lives, our relationships, and the world. See, if you're going at 100 miles an hour, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And so on Sabbath, we slow down so that we can see the awesomeness of God, the goodness of God, the wonder of God in our lives. And that's how we enter into the kingdom as little children.
in awe. And then number three, you got to seek it out. you got to look for it. you got to look for it. Every day I'm looking for wonder. I am. I'm looking for it. In her book, Thrive, by Ariana Huffington, this is her most recent book. She wrote this book out of an experience that she had. She was working 70, 80 hours a week. She founded the Huffington Post, if you don't know that. Um, and she was at the top, and she wanted to stay at the top, and power, and money, and all this. And so one day... She faints, she falls, she has this terrible, she hits her head, she, she has this terrible experience and she, it causes her to rethink her whole life. Like, what am I doing? What is success? In fact, the subtitle is, the third metric to re- redefining success and creating a life of well-being, wisdom, and wonder. It caused her to take a whole nother look at her life. Like, what am I striving for? More money, more power, more position? She already had it all. She was still going 60, 70, 80 hours a week. She says this about wonder in the book. She says, countless things. I love that. Countless things. Really? Countless things? Countless things in our daily lives can awaken the almost constant state of wonder we knew as children. Remember, as children, every, we're seeing everything for the first time. Wow. We can recapture that. But sometimes to see them, we must look through a different lens or a different set of eyes. The triggers are there, but are we present enough to experience them? This is the power of slowing down. Slowing down helps us to be present, we talked about this last week, so that we can see the things that should capture our hearts. You have to seek it out, you have to seek it out. I'm looking for it. I was with a friend the other day, and he told me that, uh, this is Rick Johnson, some of you know Rick, and he just went to Columbia to support Exodo Church, which is the church we support down in Columbia. And he was telling me this story over coffee on Friday, and he said, uh, you know, someone on the trip wanted to get power tools in Pastor Angel's hands. Pastor Angel is the lead pastor there at Exodo Church. And so, you know, the problem is you can't take power tools to Columbia because we go as tourists. Every time you go to Columbia, do you guys know that? That's what we, we go as tourists. So taking power tools in duffel bags, not a good idea when you're trying to get into Columbia, okay? So there's no way they're getting through, they're getting through the, the, the uh, security at the airport. And Rick was telling me this story. He says, Danny, I'm, I'm not kidding you. It, we prayed, we wrapped, we wrapped the uh, power tools in T-shirts, like that was gonna hide them, right? And we put them in duffel bags, and we just knew they were gonna catch us and, uh, you know, uh, you know, good Christians smuggling things into different countries. <laughs> I just slipped that in there. Um, and we prayed, we prayed, and sure enough, we get to the, we get to the airport, and they, 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 uh, they look at us, and for some reason, they allow us to, to, to bypass the, the, the scanner that would have caught the power tools. And we got all of these power tools to Pastor Angel in Columbia. And he, listen, he's telling me this story, and I'm thinking, okay, that's, I, here's what I could do. That's a cool story. I'm glad he got the tools. Or, or I could go, wow, that's my choice. See, it's my lens. What, is he just telling me about a coincidence that happened to happen? Or is he telling me we prayed, we wrapped these suckers in t-shirts and we were hoping to get through the, you know, the security and we were able to buy, is that God or is it not? See, in an enchanted world, I'm going, that's God, wow. Do you have eyes to see? You have to seek it out. You have to look for it. 
in order to see it. And when you do, you're, you find your heart just welling up in worship. God, thank you so much for allowing Rick to get these tools to Pastor Angel. And the other day I was, I was uh, brushing my teeth and I happened to look out the window and you know, I'm just trying to find something to, some reason to worship God. And I see, I see half of a rainbow through the window. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty bright. And I can see all the different colors. And so I go outside. I'm still brushing my teeth, right? I'm outside and I'm like half dressed. And I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm, I realize that, that for the first time in my life, <laughs> I could see the entire rainbow. From this, it hit the ground here. And then it hit the ground over here. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see this a couple of weeks ago. I snapped a picture of it. Check this out. I was like, brushing my teeth. I stopped. You know what I did? I ran inside, mouth full of toothpaste, toothbrush. I was like, boo, boo. That's my son's name. Boo, I was screaming. You gotta come outside. And I grab him, because that's what you do when your heart is filled with awe. You grab somebody, right? That's what, that's what this guy did. He went back into the house and got his friends to come see the frost flowers. You gotta see this. You gotta. That's what the woman did. She went into town and said, you gotta come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Like, that's what you do when your heart is filled with wonder. You get somebody else involved. So Bo comes out there and he starts taking video and snapping pictures and I'm just going, wow. A rainbow, a rainbow. You know what a rainbow is in Genesis chapter nine? A rainbow is a message to humanity directly from God that he will never again destroy the earth with a flood. Did you know that? Genesis nine, you can check it out yourself. I know there are some organizations that have taken the rainbow and tried to make it their message and their symbol. It's not, it's God's. And it's his message to the world that he will never, ever destroy the earth again with a flood. Wow. Wonder. Wonder activates worship. And, and you have to seek it out. You have to slow down. And you have to look the past the facts. See, some of you are like, yeah, but I can explain a rainbow. See, what happens is, is that the horizon and the mist and the rain and the clouds, blah, 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 and it produces the colors. And Okay. If that's the world you want to live in, in a disenchanted world, good luck. I choose to live in an enchanted world world where the kingdom of God has come. How about you? Have you lost your wonder? Have you lost your wonder? It's time to get it back. Jesus said, unless you change and become like a little child, you cannot experience the kingdom of heaven. You know, Jesus did a lot of miracles. He healed the lame. He gave the blind back their sight. He gave the deaf back their, their, their ability to hear. He raised the dead. Jesus did amazing things. You don't want to know what his greatest miracle is? You want to know what his greatest miracle was? When he took his life back from the dead. Jesus died on a cross. His hands were nailed to the cross. His feet were nailed. He suffocated to death. He was tortured. And three days later, after he died, he took his life back from the grave. The greatest miracle this world has ever seen. And why did he do it? He did it because he loved you. He did it because your sin separated him from you. And he wanted to redeem you and bridge the gap and reconcile you to the Father. And so he gave his life for you and then he took it back. So you can step into the kingdom, so you could have fellowship with God. See, when we look at a cross, we should be, wow, we should be blown away. We should be captured by wonder because it's the, it's the tool that God used to redeem the world, to redeem you, to bring you home to God. Have you trusted in him today? Have you put your faith in Christ? I'm gonna say a simple prayer, it's a prayer of faith. You can take these words and make them your own and step into the kingdom of God 
right now and trust him as your savior. Will you pray with me if you feel led to? Just reach out in faith and pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. I reach out to you today in faith. I ask you to forgive my sin as I trust you. Cleanse me as I reach out to you. Make me your child. I believe in you. Help me from this day forward to to live as a little child, dependent upon you, trusting you, believing in you, being present in the moment, and living a life of worship finding my satisfaction in you alone. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory, church? Amen. If you just prayed that prayer at any one of our campuses or on our online campus, we would love to get you started with what we call our saved box. Inside this box, there's a Bible. There's some instructions on how to get connected to the church, baptism, small group. And there's also a coffee cup in here to say congratulations. You can text the word SAVED to 65248 at any one of your campuses or locations right now. Grab one of these in the, uh, in the uh, uh, information desk in the lobby back there. Or if you're watching online right now, you can text the word SAVED to 65248 and we will send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church. Can we give God glory? Amen. This has been a great series. I hope that you will change and become like little children so that you can live in the kingdom of God, so that you can experience the life that God has planned for you. I'm gonna pray and then dismiss to our teams. Lord, thank you for this passage of scripture. We know the goal of life is maturity, to grow up. But sometimes, God, we need to go backwards to go forwards. We need to become like little children and develop that childlikeness the wonder, the faith, the trust, being present in the moment so that we can experience all that you have for us. Jesus, thank you for your teaching. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for helping us to grow in our faith. We love you. It's in your precious name we pray, amen. Right now we're gonna hand things off to the local teams. God bless you guys. See you next week and bring a friend.